tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Cravings make it hard to stay sober. You may feel frustrated that you have so many cravings and be wishing that you just had more self-control. In this episode, I want to talk about why cravings can be so powerful and how you can learn to manage them. You'll learn more about how alcohol dominates our thoughts, why we crave alcohol, and what you can do to reduce the amount of cravings that you have and their severity. So let's dig in.
Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm Jill, and today we are talking cravings. So we beat ourselves up for being weak-willed losers and failures, but there's so much more to it than that. We think we have the exact same experience as everyone else, but somehow they can control their drinking and we can't. This is why the stigma exists, because people think their experience of being able to stop is the same for everyone. So since we don't stop, it must be a choice. What I hope to help you understand is that you aren't the same as everyone else and your differences make it easier for you to drink and not be able to stop. And one of the ways you might be different is that you have a strong attentional bias towards alcohol, which is what we talked about in last week's episode about the obsession. It's not just that we think about alcohol a lot or notice it when it's around or that we're more aware of alcohol-related cues. We also struggle to disengage our attention from those cues. So cues have the ability to grab our attention and then hold on to it. There's a test called the Stroop task where participants are asked to name the color of a word that they saw. Sounds fairly simple, right? But when they test it on healthy controls versus heavy drinkers, they find that the drinkers are much slower at recalling the color of a substance-related word compared to a neutral word. So that means they have trouble remembering the color of the word that they saw when it was substance-related compared to a word when it was just neutral or about something random. And studies believe that this is because those words grab our attention and then we focus on them. There are other tests like the visual probe task that have alcohol pictures randomly placed in a room and then they remove the pictures. Next, they have some kind of visual stimuli placed randomly around the room, and studies have found that heavy drinkers will respond more to stimuli that appeared in places where the alcohol pictures were, even after the alcohol pictures are long gone. So we even hyper-focus on certain areas just because an alcohol cue used to be there. Being focused on alcohol is a characteristic of heavy drinkers and not light or moderate drinkers. And it depends on the level of craving that the person is experiencing too. The more you crave alcohol, the more focused you will be on alcohol-related cues. And this makes sense because our brain believes that alcohol helps. So it wants to motivate us to seek out what's going to fix our problem. You can imagine it as your brain encouraging you to drink because it's confused and it thinks that alcohol's great. People who aren't problem drinkers don't don't have cravings for alcohol, so they don't experience that. If you're craving alcohol, then it's hard enough to not drink. But then add in this attentional bias thing that we've been talking about to the craving, and it gets so much worse. Because alcohol cues are able to grab our attention significantly more than the take-it-or-leave-it drinker, we get hyper-focused on whatever the trigger or cue was to drink. When your attention is stuck on something, it's really hard to disengage and redirect. So you don't just have this mega craving to drink. You are also focused on why you want to drink, which then fuels the craving even more. Heavy drinking changes the brain. So it changes the brain to have this attentional bias, and it also changes the brain to make our reward system more sensitive to alcohol cues. According to studies, one of the most reliable triggers for alcohol cravings and relapse is negative emotions. There are four main reasons that we drink alcohol. To cope, to enhance, to socialize, and to conform. 
And I kind of think of socialize and conform as somewhat similar, but conformity motives are drinking to avoid social rejection. I mainly focus this podcast on coping and enhancement motives, and I'll reference some previous episodes where I've talked about those motives in the show notes. I thought that I was a strictly enhancement drinker, so you might think that as well. But when I got sober, I realized I drank for literally any reason. So I also drank to cope. And now the only time I have urges to drink is when I have an extreme, unexpected, negative emotion. So I was a coping and enhancement drinker. Like I said, the stronger your attentional bias, the stronger your cravings. But there's a key factor that leads to the strong attentional bias too. The more that you value alcohol, the stronger your attentional bias, so then the stronger your cravings. And a main reason we get stuck on alcohol and can't get it out of our head is because we strongly believe that it helps. Whatever your main motivation for drinking, when that thing comes up, it's going to create a strong craving. And because of our attentional bias towards alcohol, you're going to struggle to disengage your attention from the negative mood, uncomfortable feeling, or environmental cue, and that's what fuels the craving even more. A 2007 study published in Alcohol and Alcoholism took a group of heavy social drinkers and divided them into two categories, high coping motive drinkers and low coping motive drinkers. The majority of the participants were women, which doesn't happen that often in studies, but it makes sense to me because women are more likely to drink to avoid and cope. But they were all college kids and young, so that's a potential limit of the study. But remember, these are all heavy social drinkers. They didn't pick people that were in treatment or people that like fit the criteria for AUD. They just chose people that drank heavy socially. So they split them into two groups that were mixed with high and low coping motives. And in the test group, they induced stress and anxiety by telling them that they had to give a presentation in a couple minutes and that it was going to be recorded. And the control group was told something neutral and not stressful at all. Then they looked at levels of anxiety, cravings for alcohol, and attentional bias towards alcohol-related cues. So like you'd expect, the group with the fake presentation had higher levels of anxiety and cravings for alcohol, and the control group had less anxiety and no change in cravings. When they tested attentional bias, they found that exposing them to stress caused a significant increase in attentional bias, but only for the participants who drank for coping motives. So the heavy drinkers who did not drink for coping motives did not have a noticeable change in attentional bias. It's believed that for people who drink to cope, negative feelings can increase the ability of cues and triggers to grab our attention and hold on to it, and that this effect is automatic, meaning it happens right away and it's not your choice. There are two components to attention, initially grabbing your attention and then disengaging your attention and moving on. A 2009 study published in Experimental and Clinical Psychopharmacology found that even mild stress increases attentional bias in people who drink to cope. And this was done on social drinkers again. So you can imagine how much worse it is with problem drinkers. This study found that stress increases how much something attracts our attention, which we said already, but it also delays when we would normally disengage our attention and move on. So to me, it's like we're completely 
completely stuck in the thought that we need to drink and we can't move on from that thought. We don't obsess about alcohol or have strong cravings because we're losers. Our brains literally get stuck on alcohol and we can't get our attention off of it. There are a couple of studies that found in sober people who were motivated to stay sober, that there is an attentional avoidance of alcohol-related cues, even when they were presented for half a second, where it wouldn't be long enough to register in our conscious mind. So don't think that you're doomed to fight off intense cravings and have alcohol dominate your thoughts forever. It seems like we may be able to learn to disengage our attention and avoid alcohol cues once we recognize what our triggers are. So what is the solution to this? Well, most of us think that we just need more self-control or willpower. Willpower is not going to change your brain and relieve this attentional bias problem. It's not a willpower thing, it's a brain thing, and it's a lack of tools thing. The main issue is that you think alcohol fixes your problems. And because you've reinforced this thousands of times by drinking, it's become a very strong belief in your mind. If you don't have any tools, then your cravings are going to be really challenging to resist. Once you develop some tools, then it's easier to remind yourself that alcohol doesn't really help and try to decide what would actually help. So in my opinion, the solution to this extreme attention problem is tools. So you can learn tools from podcasts, books, meetings, an online community, therapy, in or outpatient treatment, or coaching. And we talk about tools and we have meetings inside my Living a Sober Powered Life community if you'd like to join us there. And you can learn more about that in the show notes too. And I've talked about some tools that you can work on learning in previous episodes, and I'll reference those in the show notes as well. One thing that seems to help is mindfulness. Practicing mindfulness can help you disengage your attention from alcohol and triggers. Mindfulness is all about being non-reactive, non-judgmental, and having awareness of how you feel. So mindfulness is helpful for many reasons. It helps us not be reactive and impulsive. It's been found to reduce thought suppression, and it can help with your attentional bias for alcohol. Thought suppression is a defense mechanism where you try to control your thoughts and get rid of unwanted ones, which really just gives them more power. Mindfulness helps you accept your thoughts, which is helpful because you know that you can use alcohol to immediately control your thoughts and feelings. So if you're stuck in trying to suppress your thoughts and negative emotions, it can be really hard not to drink. A 2012 study found that people in recovery that have higher levels of mindfulness have lower attentional bias, less cravings, more self-efficacy, and lower perceived stress. So I just said a lot there. So self-efficacy is your belief that you can get through a tough situation and not drink. And I like that they mentioned perceived stress because a lot of stress and triggers is how we perceive them and interpret them. We can amplify things in our mind or we can try to problem solve and change our perspective. Mindfulness can be helpful because it's all about being non-reactive and non-judgmental to your thoughts and feelings. We usually blow up 
and make things a really big deal, and we struggle to handle any negative emotions, so things get very overwhelming quick, and then we have to do something to bring that feeling down. You can start working on becoming more mindful by just getting curious when you have a negative feeling instead of judging it and wanting it to go away. Ask yourself questions to try to understand why you're feeling that way and what set you off. And this can help you learn about what your triggers are too. Another thing is being aware of how often you're multitasking. It's really easy to watch TV and scroll our phone at the same time. So you're basically not doing either thing. And that also prevents thoughts from coming in because so many things are happening at once already. So try to do one thing at a time. And if you're into it, meditation and journaling are other ways to work on mindfulness too. So overall, there's nothing wrong with you because you crave alcohol. It's just because you believe that it helps and because heavy drinking changes the brain. So work on becoming more aware of how you feel and why, and then learn some tools to deal with negative emotions without having to make them go away. We can't all feel happy and great all the time. Negative emotions are just part of the human experience. And if you don't fight with it, it'll go away quicker. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could take a second and leave a five-star rating and review because it helps people who need this information discover the podcast easier. Thank you as always for your support and I will talk to you next week. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.